Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, Board Gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here, back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 124, Gumbo Live, the number one-ish Facebook Live talk show dedicated to board gaming. Our special guest tonight, we've got Chris Glain. He's the designer and the artist of studies in sorcery. Can't wait to talk to him about that dual dichotomy. Board Game Gumbo, a proud member of Punchboard Media. Hey, check out some of our other fine members, like a new-to-me member is Board Game Ramblings, Johannes and Sonova. They are funny, and they have a chemistry that just absolutely shines on YouTube. You'll get positivity and humor and insight into the uh, into the hobby. I actually did a show with them with Paul Grogren this week, this weekend where I got to meet them. They, they are just fantastic. Board Game Ramblings gives you reviews, previews, and even music videos. Now, that I haven't seen. I need to check that out. Go subscribe to Board Gaming Ramblings Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Hit us up on social media tonight on Twitter or on Facebook at Board Game Gumble, and we'll be looking for your questions in the chat. But enough blather, let's get right to our special guest. Let's see if I can bring him up here. Chris Glane, hey, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, let me get this set up real quick here. Hey, so Chris, elevator pitch. First time on the show, give us that elevator pitch. Who is Chris Glane and how'd you get into board gaming? Um, I am a board game designer uh, and board game artist, uh, working on all sorts of things out of Seattle. Uh, and how did I get into gaming? Oh my, it is like in my blood. I consider myself a gamer of all types, board games, video games, card games, role-playing games, any kind of really structured play with other humans. I'm, I'm totally into it. Absolutely. Almost any type of your omni-gamer, it sounds like, right? Omni-gamer. Yes, in fact, I have a shirt that says that from uh, from from Dylan, Dylan Mangini. Oh, do you really? Yeah, it says Omni Gamer on it. I love that shirt. Are you big into the outdoors? Oh, I, I don't. Th- I think you kind of have to be around here because, as you said, like it's it's like you got mountains, you got water, you got all the trees in between. Uh, even if you're not like a big hiker or anything, like it's just it's it's right here there's great hiking trails everywhere there's beautiful nature going on the water is a thing so yeah it's just it's just kind of assumed by me Every, everywhere else feels very flat in comparison it's it's strange uh yeah we're pretty flat down here speaking of flat hey there's marshall from sin law a little town up there called andrea um not so flat if you get of it if you go over to the backbone train uh, trail know what i'm talking about he's checking in saying hey y'all hey also got somebody from the pack northwest up there that's evan halbert designer of after the empire checking in and bill you're right evan those are not board games do you have them at the grocery store no i guess uh, no no i've never met evan and just and jesse fernandez what's up jesse good to see you if you have any questions jesse uh we're we'll talking to chris about his game with weird giraffe coming up in just a second so make sure you let us know but chris you were telling me that you got to play a recent game. Look, gaming has been tough in this pandemic, but yeah. uh, a lot of people have dived right back into the, the classic games we've been playing or, you know, skipping the hotness and pulling those dusty games off the shelf. And one of those that I love that my wife adores is Baron Park, and you got to play it. Yeah, uh, Baron Park is fantastic. Uh, so the key thing is that I have a seven-year-old daughter, so I'm always trying to find games that she can play, but like level up and that uh, me and my partner can play. And I mean, I played Baron Park for the first time at 
uh, Gen Con last year, year before, man, I don't know. Um, waited a long time to get it because I just loved it after that demo. And it sat there for a while. Just so happy to get out with the family. Everybody likes making like a little, they just putting the bears next to each other, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, it's adorable. It's tiling. It's it's very approachable, uh, and doesn't overstay its welcome. I, I dig it. It's, it's tiling. It's got that kind of a race element where you're trying to get those bigger points before other people. So there's lots of different ways to approach it. Lots of thinky things that are happening. And then how do you build out? You know, when do you add on to new squares? How soon do you do that? What colors are you going to go for? There's so much to think about. But the problem with Baron Park was not the game itself. It was the fact that you couldn't buy it for so long. It was super, yeah. you know, Steve will tell you this. It was hot for a long time and then nobody could get a copy. And then Steven Verlo will tell you later. The expansion was just impossible to get. I've never even seen it in wild. I don't know if you have it or not. I I don't have the expansion, uh, but I'm I'm super interested in it now. Now that I've been able to get it to the table, the family everybody likes it. So now I'm like, okay, cool. Do you want to like put some like you know tram rails over here? Of course, of course you do. So I've been able Look, to it. says. Berta says the expansion is still, still impossible to get. And yes, Evan, apparently the West Coast is a lot bigger than Lafayette, Louisiana, because don't everybody doesn't know each other. Y'all need to rectify that. You guys live, you know, within hours of each other. You should get together somewhere. So we should but yeah, if you get a chance. Now, Patrick, I totally agree. Everything north of I-10, that's basically Canada, right? I mean, if you get north of I-10, you're practically in Canada. So that's that's the way it is. So, Baron Park, uh, your how about you know? I know you liked it. How did yeah. your daughter and your partner like it? Uh, they both liked it, probably for different different reasons. Uh, uh, my partner, she loves Tetrisy feeling things. Anything where it's like you know, uh, planning something out spatially. Uh, like she loves suburbia and fits and uh, you know all those types of games where you're laying things. Uh, whereas my daughter, I mean you can have your polar bears and you've got koalas and you put them all together and you add way too many bathrooms, which she finds hilarious. So uh, one for her on theme. And, and I mean, that's the pitch, right? I mean, the pitch is just getting a chance to, to show off uh, those beautiful little animals. And I, I oh, mean, yeah. that's all you really need, right? Yeah. Yeah. Make like you can kind of tell a story about your park. I remember uh, <laughs> uh, walk into the park and you realize all the bathrooms are at the back. So anyone, any of the park attendees coming in there, it's like, well, I'm sorry, uh, you got to walk through all of these concession stands before we're going to allow you to use a bathroom. Uh, I love <laughs> it when uh, tiling games with simple themes can start to tell stories like that just by like you look at the elements and you think about how hilarious it is all together. Yeah, tile laying games are one of my favorite uh, elements, and Phil Walker Harding, I think, knocked it out of the park with Baron Park. So it's it's a big recommendation for me, and it sounds like an even bigger recommendation from Chris and his family. That is Baron Park. I think it's Lookout Games, if I remember right, but uh, not not so easy to get. No, or at least not the expansion. Yeah, not the expansion. So, BJ from More Game Go. I've got my guest here, Chris Galane, designer of of a oh I drew, drew a blank there studies in sorcery and we're talking some of the spicy hot games we played recently I, I got to play a game from Starling Games called Flourish are you familiar with Everdale Chris oh I've definitely seen it I never play it I mean it it leaves a visual impression so yeah but I, I haven't played it before it's the first thing that people notice right I mean you I, I remember when I was at BGG a couple of years ago and they had it on the table and you walk by and you see this big giant cardboard tree here's mm-hmm. a little tiny game 
Flourish could have been in a tiny box this big with the cards, but yeah. of course, with Starling Games, with the same designers as Everdell, they overproduced it a lot to make a bigger game, and they call it Flourish. It's really it's it's not what people are going to expect if they're going and expecting Everdell. That's not what they're going to you know that's not what you're going to get. But let me tell you real quick. I mean, look look right here. This thing fits in the palm of your hand. Those are the scoring tracks. That you basically yeah. the, the dials they call them, you know, it goes up into the hundreds, and they're just giant. You get a ton of them for everybody to play, and of course you have the big, uh, big beautiful artwork, just like you had in Everdell. I mean, this artwork is just absolutely gorgeous. But what you what you're doing in Flourish is you're building out a, a three by three, and then one more, depending if you're playing solo or if you're playing with a multiple group. You're building out a garden, and basically a three by four grid of flowers. It's a little bit of set collection, but it uses that pick and pass mechanic that we're so familiar with from Seven Wonders or from uh, Paper Tales or any other games like that, um, where you got a hand of cards and you're looking at them and you're trying to figure out what to keep and what to give away. The twist in this one is I like the way you do the pick and pass in that you're going to take one of the cards, put it face down, and then you're going to give not all the cards to your neighbors. You're going to keep your hand, but you're going to give one card to the left and one card to the right. And the cards are going to play off of each other. So some of the cards are going to be pretty simple where, uh, like you see in this picture right here, let me see if I can sold it up. Some of the cards are going to be, see those roses on the left side. Those, those are the elements, the roses that you can use to score. The scoring itself comes from the top and from the bottom, right? The top left shows you what you're going to score on that three card row for that round and you play four rounds and the bottom shows you what you score at the end of the game. It's looking for all the elements on the cards, but the twist is some of those elements actually refer to other people's cards. It might be the highest scoring neighbor. It might be both of your neighbors. You might have to have more neighbors. So it's different ways of of trying to score. And it's very, very interesting. Now, is it overproduced? Absolutely. Look, the the this is basically a card game, and and yep. we played the card game, and it was interesting, but it got more interesting, surprisingly to me, because the overproduced elements go with modules. Our old friend Johnny Paclos talked about those modules, and in this particular case, they included two extra modules in the signature edition that, to me, just in my opinion, I think are essential to the game. The modules bring in two expansions. Um, the main one to talk about tonight is the Follies, Friends and Follies expansion. Uh, the, the Friends are just, you get two cards, and you can score a lot of points if you can symbols that you've collected to one of those cards. For instance, you might get five, uh, you might get seven points for every five roses you have. Now, you're, the other people don't know that, so you're trying to collect them. Uh, they can kind of figure out what you're doing, but you're trying to hide that. The more interesting one is the Follies one, and that's what these little cardboard pieces are. That's where on each end of each round, you got to take one of those cardboard pieces, and they match up to the five different sets, the roses, the the vines, the little mushroom-looking things, and you got to put it on one of those cards. It's got to match, so you see I'm putting roses on roses, and then for every rose that you score that's orthogonally adjacent to that Folly and folly is just an old English word for like a sculpture, you know, in the backyard, something in your uh, backyard, some element, some garden element. When you put those in there, you're going to score. So now all of a sudden I'm trying to score three different ways. I'm scoring by rounds. I'm scoring in game on my cards and my neighbors. 
And now I've got these other elements where I've got to put the elements out each round so that I'm sure that I score. If you don't put one of those elements out, it's actually a negative. I think it adds a, enough of the element to really from a little 20-minute card game into a deeper, thinkier game. And I've had a lot of fun uh, exploring that Friends and Follies module. Personally, I wouldn't play without it. I think it only comes in the signature edition. So if you're looking at a flourish, I'd try to find a copy of that. What do you think? Uh, this is not tiling, so we're not talking Baron Park. But we're talking about yeah. you know that set collection and, and pick and pass. What do you think of the combination of those two? Interest you? Oh, well, yeah, I'm definitely into that. I, I love card drafting uh, and just that is a game in itself, like making interesting decisions like that. Uh, it's really interesting hearing about these, these extra little folly bits that lift things off of the card. Cause you've got this like flat plane of cards. And if it really yes. is like, that's the thinky thing. That's the thing that elevates your like, you know, next level strategy, having that highlighted with like a, an adorable little thing, uh, that's nice because it draws your attention to it. it makes you think like you're thinking about a different sort of problem when you're looking at those. Uh, I, absolutely. I, I, I thought, I, I thought, okay, this is just like the big tree in Everdell. This is not really going to matter. Nope. When you put those elements on, it helps you to visually connect with the orthogonals. Yeah. Now the fences, you put fences between you and the other players. I don't really need that part. I know that my cards are going on one side of the fence and, you know, and the cards are going on the other side of the fence. I, I get all that. That I thought was unnecessary, but these elements, these little cardboard elements, as they rise up, it's not really kinetic energy because it doesn't feel like any movement. It's a garden, but what it is, is like you said, it's a focal point for your brain to think orthogonally yeah. in terms of how those scored. So it went for me from being uh, all this unnecessary cardboard. And by the way, Thanks to Bradley, who did the unboxing. I didn't have to put together all these pieces because there's, there's a lot of pieces in this game. But um, to me, it, it draws your attention to what those orthogonal parts are and it elevates the game to something that I think, you know, any any gamer who likes, look, this this is not for your Ameritrash dice chucking guy. This is for a person who likes the, you know, puzzly games. You know, sort of the, the way that you and I oh, were talking about Baron Park, where you like the yeah. puzzle of putting stuff together instead of being polyonomos. Poly, oh, man, I'm having trouble with it tonight. You're playing cards instead and trying to uh, set collect with the orthogonal uh, choices. So that is Flourish. That was one of those cards I was telling you. That's, I'm showing a picture of the Friends card where it's a little nice little flower and you're going to get all those points for collecting uh, those. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool art here. I, I actually can't remember who the artist is, so I apologize. Um, yeah, pick and pass, seven wonder style, beautiful uh, art, and that is Flourish from uh, Starling Games, and it's out right there. BJ from More Game Gumbo, I've got my guest here, Chris Glane. Let me see if I can bring up uh, Steve, because I wanted to talk uh, with Steve about a game that he's been playing. Hey, Steve, do we got you in here? Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, How you doing? What's going hey, Chris, on, Chris, how are you? So, Steve, you got, to play, you got to play a game that I that I played only once or twice, but I'm super interested in hearing your thoughts on it, and that's Dice Forge. I did, and uh, and interestingly, playing on BGA was probably missing out on what everybody thinks is the coolest part of the game, is snapping the dice <laughs> together, and so we were doing it that is virtually. Um, but yeah, Jay, Jay taught it to me the other night, and Evan uh, as well. Actually, let me clarify that. He taught it to Evan, and I also listened. Um, Evan then proceeded to school us in the game. Um, good game. Um, I, I want to give it another shot to get a sense of whether I'm going to like it more from here or less from here. I'm not so sure about that, but we'll see. Um, it's a game where you're in the first of 
10 rounds, you're trying to add faces to your die to pump up your dice. And every time you're rolling, you're always getting resources of some sort, but you're starting to build them up to stronger resources or to collect more of them or to get more gold to buy better things. And then after some point, you kind of say, I've built enough of that. And I'm starting to gonna I'm gonna be starting to use around the outside edges. You can see uh, there are six, actually seven different um, you know parts of the board where you can be buying cards that have special powers that break the game a little bit, but also get you points. Um, and by the end of it, it's pretty much a collection of points. Um, it's relatively abstract, uh, although the, there's good art on all the cards, and it kind of looks you know thematically fantasy kind of stuff. I like the look of it, but it was basically converting resources to get better resources, to get more points, to beat your friends. Um, I invested poorly. Uh, I invested in the victory points, and I was looking like I was way out in the lead until everybody just blew by me on the last turn with all of their cards uh, having outperformed me uh, points-wise. It was good. I liked it. Um, but I do need to give it another shot, and I don't think that BGA gives it the same wow factor as if you were playing it on the table. So um, I would want to get my hands on a hard copy if somebody had one to borrow and sit and play with. Um, but we'll see about that one. It was good. It was good. Chris, have you played? Uh, like I wanted to say Dark Crystal because Evan keeps posting about <laughs> Dark Crystal on there. <laughs> God dang it, Evan. Uh, Dice Forge, sorry. Have you played Dice Forge? I haven't, but the fact that you had a positive experience without touching those physical bits mm -hmm. actually says the game stands up better uh, than, yes. than I might anticipate. I mm -hmm. came across friends playing it at a con once, and we were like, we were trying to hang out with them, and they're like, no, 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 I'm playing this dice game. Have you seen these dice? They're so amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were super into it, and that's my one impression of it. And it's been on my like, oh, I, I want to play with little dice things. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I always. I assume that like that toy component is so much of the experience. So even just enjoying it at all right. without that is, is some yeah. level. No, there's, there's a game there. The toy factor I'm sure puts it over the top. So you're having a lot more fun at the table. But I think if I got better at the next game, I know Evan would too. And I know Jay would too. So <laughs> I just don't know that um, this is going to be a game that clicks for me. I had fun playing and losing. It was a good, it was a good little game. I, I liked Dice Forge. So Jack, my son, played it first, uh, Dice Tower Con 2017 or 2018. And I asked him about it, and he's like, the, the, making the dice was awesome. The rest of the game, you know, just he likes chucking dice. He wants to, you know, mm -hmm. battle wizards or take territory. And it was none of that. So I, I waited a long time, and I finally got to play it last year. Sagan from our Southern Board Game Fest taught it to me. And I'm going to tell you, I liked it. But the dice part is really the attraction in the game to me. Uh, the exchanging of the resources and and the and the, the special powers, I got to admit, are cool. Yes. But they're they're based on the dice, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, upgrading your dice is a lot of fun. I would like to see that mechanic done in a different game. I think so. I mean, if I'm going to play a resource conversion game, there's a bunch of others over you know over this. Mm -hmm. So. I can see that. That's just me. I'm a little bit more male on it, I think, than uh, Steve and Verlaw. Uh, maybe Dean. Uh, Dean. Dean says. Dean says I'm wrong. He says you're correct, Steve. Physical copy of Dice Forge, fantastic. Uh, maybe Verla says she loves a Dice Forge, both in person and online. That's one that we're gonna play a game online, Steve. I'll probably want to play something different, but uh, I do need to play it again it, because, like I was saying, it could go up from here or it could go down from here, and it was good. So, you know, the first first time through as a learning game, I usually think of that as the first pancake off the pan. It's not going to be the best one. So see how it is the next time you play it. And if it feels like it's same, 
old, same old, I might be joining you. If, if I start to see that I'm connecting things better and it's more fun because I'm chaining things, maybe it'll rise. Who knows? And that is Dice Forge. Anybody remember who uh, makes Dice Forge? I think it's a mm. French company, if I remember right. I will look that up while you're continuing on. <laughs> All right. And that is Dice Forge. Uh, Steve gives it a thumbs up. I'm a meh. And Chris says... He's going to listen to Steve and not me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's probably the wise idea. Hey, Steve, while I've got you here, yeah, there's a big convention that's, mm-hmm. uh, that was supposed to happen. You remember conventions, Chris? Do you remember what those were where we got together with a lot of people and we played games? I really do. Well, by the way, while I'm getting the picture set up, what, what is your game? What's your convention if, if you were still – if it was still rocking and rolling along in 2020, what game conventions would you have gone to? What's, what's your favorite one there? Uh, my favorite is one that would have just happened, uh, which is Shucks, which happens mm-hmm. in uh, the Shut Up and Sit Down convention. Uh, I've been there. I mean, it's only been going for like three years, I guess four years now. Uh, but it, it's got a – maybe it's just the size of where it is in its lifetime, but it's cozy, uh, good crowd, good vibe. Vancouver is beautiful. Uh, happens to be drivable from Seattle, which helps a lot. Um, so it has this feeling of a nice, nice uh, getaway with just nice people. Uh, and I, I miss Shucks. I miss Shucks. Yeah. Oh, I would love to, to go to Shucks. Hey, we, we got some corrections here, so let's make sure we have the, the record correct. Dean says production is fantastic. The game is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Marshall knows me. Marshall knows that I just want to make my own dice and then play strike with it. That's it. Yep. Strike. Gladiators in arena. That's right. Look, look. Look Gladiator Forge. It's got to be Gladiator Forge, though. See, now right? you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Now you're speaking my language. Hey, uh, Steve, right, right, right down the road, right, just across the highway. Kevin's got a copy. Yep. Just name the date. We got to get back together, Kevin. Uh, Verla went in 2018 to Shucks, and she can't wait to go back again. I did one. Um, I don't know, Chris. Did you participate in Aw Shucks at all? The online one. I didn't. I was away with my family for the weekend, so I didn't get to check in. But a number of my friends were, were doing live streaming and stuff from that. Uh, you know, it was great to see uh, Cascadia had a section there. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But I was hanging out on a beach with my family. I, I, can't do that. You can't beat that. So yeah. Smirk and Dagger was doing. Smirk and Dagger. Uh, Chris Kerber was doing live uh, plays all weekend, and I like. Not love, but I like a lot the Menace Among Us, which is uh, a game by Jeff Gum, where you it's it's that um, hidden role trader type of game. It's BSG smashed down into about forty five minutes to an hour. Okay, uh, which I love board. I love Battlestar Galactica, but I don't always have three hours to play it. It smashes it down to forty five minutes to an hour, and it's got the theme uh, just dripping. And we really got into the theme, which was fun. It's 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 out there on the web if you want to watch it. Uh, it was a live play and. To play with the designer and the publisher and the and a couple of the publisher's main demo people, <laughs> that just made for an awesome experience. I'm telling you, we had a blast because everybody's getting into their characters and there was a lot of sniping and you know back talk and that was that was a lot of fun. Aw shucks. One of the better conventions, I thought, at least some of the online ones that mm-hmm. I've done. So I like that. While I have you, I've got the pictures ready. Let's talk about the convention that I haven't been to that someday I'm going to go to, and that's Eschenspiel. Chris, as you know, that's the big convention up there. You fly into Dusseldorf, and for an entire week, it's nothing but gaming with 100,000 people at the Mesa. And it's where, you know, usually there's 1,000 to 1,500 games expected to be released. 
This one, this year, about 425 have been that we know of, about 450. And one of those is, well, Steve, let's take it away. One of those yeah, is sure. um, Paris. Mm-hmm. So do you, All right, you do have 30 this? seconds. You want to do You're this for get... 30 seconds. Okay. All right. You, you got to convince the chat crew and Chris. We're going to go thumbs up or thumbs down on your three choices. All right. So hit, hit the clock and start the timer here. Cromer and Kiesling, number one, has my attention. Should have stopped right there. Number two, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It looks like Aquasphere, only pretty, BJ. Okay? Um, it's got that circular board that does a lot of cool stuff. I have to take a look and see if the mechanisms are all going to mesh because the, the, the video that I saw looked like it was a pretty jumbled uh, collection of mechanics. But then I saw Stella's short and sweet, and, uh, and then it caught my attention again. It looks like it's, it's collecting resources to buy buildings, move yourself up uh, along I'm... the track, and, and moving yourself around with placing keys and influence. Building Paris, it just looks pretty, and Cromer and Kiesling know how to make a game. All right, Chris. Sold. Yay. Nay. Ah, now you wish you had me, but then you kept talking. Uh, jumbled collection of mechanics. <laughs> now, I think that was mostly the, the, the oh, video was not a great review. Stella did a better job distilling it down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, a circular board, the art I'm seeing here sounds yep. great. Yeah, the art featured, that sounds all great. Uh, yep. But, you know, collecting resources to do buildings, I need a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a jumbled set of mechanics and you, you, you lost me but right, that's it's two thumbs down so fair, far so fair fair so good uh, is this the one you're talking about or that is not it yeah that's so you the one. To this one yeah okay yeah. So all right give us your number two right, so and uh we want to want to hear from you thumbs up or thumbs down on steve's choices verla, verla's with me on number one tied for her s and release there with with paris like that one um, Cloud City. I'm just uh, going to save this comment for because every game I mention, I'm going to throw up Verla's comment. So it'll look yeah, like she's saying, yeah. that's my number one. Sure. Okay, go ahead, Steve. Cloud City. Gateway filler game, Phil Walker-Harding. Phil Walker-Harding knows how to take a, uh, a mechanic or two and make a beautiful game that's really tightly constructed around what he's trying to accomplish. No excess fat, meat on the bone. But light. And I think he's taken the idea that he did from the, the Baron Park um, expansion that has the monorails and is building layers of crosswalks in a three-dimensional city. So you have three levels that you're building up, and you're basically going to be collecting points for either uh, building longest of those, collecting large points for having long trails that are either one, two, or three levels high. And I, in, in the review, I think it's, it's a basic enough game that you need to or want to play it with the goals involved right from the beginning so that you can have the extra things for making circles or having no, no, no unattached um, you know, one, two, or three-level buildings. This Phil Walker-Harding gets my attention each time, and it looks like a good production. Mm, so Beth says she generally likes them. Verla's in. Zach says yes. Evan says yes. We're getting a lot of thumbs All up. Right. Oh, and a thumbs up from Chris. Why, All Chris? Right. Redeemed Why? myself in round two. Uh, it sounds great. I mean, the focusing on a simple idea and leaning into that and building around that, that's my jam. The Just Cloud City as a theme, great with the verticality mm-hmm. yep. um, and, uh, you know, simple, honed, but, you know, focusing on something interesting and evocative. Uh, sounds great. Yep. I like that one. All right. Your last choice, Steve. So last choice. Let's 50, see if 50. I'm 50-50. Let's see if I can at least stay in the middle and not be sent to the Lions here. This one I switched out. I had another Cromer and Kiesling, but I put this one in its place after seeing a short little video by Matthew Jude on this. Matthew Jude is a great reviewer, but he's also like just beyond funny. Um, Lasgo is a city builder tile layer. 
two-player only. But his description at the end of the video, this is a city-building version that gives you the feels of Seven Wonders Duel or Targi. It's not the same mechanics, wow. but to have that feel where you're doing that with tile laying and building a city where you're laying out the city of Glasgow, um, that immediately had my attention. Those are two great tactical two-player games. Targi's one of my all-time favorites. If this, if this lives up to a fraction of that, I got to take a look. Yeah, it's almost like he watches the watches your appearances on the show and just threw out two of the games that you like. <laughs> yeah. Chris, what do you think? This this box looks kind of patchworky to me already. Mm-hmm. I get that that's the lookout yeah. look, but it is. Oh, Chris gives it a thumbs up. Why do you say that? Uh, I am a fan of games that are designed for a precise number of players because you know they will play well at that count. And two-player like games like uh, like Patchwork or Jaipur are some of my like favorite most played games because mm-hmm. they just sing at, with two players. In addition to have that be about uh, city building tile lane, I know that theme is going to land with the mm-hmm. two players I'm going to be looking for. So, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. Okay, now we see why he's a designer. He's in there with serious discussion and critical analysis, <laughs> and I'm doing shtick. I'm just doing right. shtick. No, that, no that, I, I see. You actually convinced me. When a, when a game is meant for a certain amount of people, that is right. <laughs> Beth says she wants what some guy is drinking. That art is interesting. She's not wrong. I think it's I think it's Clemens Franz. Ooh, something to think about here. Thumbs up, says Dean, but he's nervous. Glasgow too light. I don't think it's heavy. But I don't know that it's in the ones. It's probably low to mid twos is my guess. All right, Steve. I think you acquitted yourself. Two out of three. Let's let's bring – I'm going to send you back down and let's bring Verla in. Oh, I pressed the wrong button. Hello, Steve. (laughs) Hold on. Let me bring Verla in and see where she is. Hello, Verla. Say hello, Verla. Are we here? There she is. Yes. Hi, Chris. Hi. So, Verla, you've actually been to Essen. I got to go last year, which is why I didn't go to Shucks last year, because couldn't do both. That's but it was really that. awesome. Well, yeah, it was fantastic. About, let's hear your games. You know the rules. An elevator pitch shorter than even Steve did. And oh, they'll be really you. short. you got to convince Chris, and you got to convince the, uh, the chat crew. Let's see what you think. Um, that's Bonfire out there, right? The first one is Bonfire. Yeah. Some pictures of, yeah. No. Um, Oh, wait, well, that is Glasgow, huh? Oh, sorry. Is that? that is Glasgow. Let me see if I can find yours. Trying to find that. I'm definitely with Steve on Paris. That is right. like tied for my number one along with Bonfire. I am a huge Feld fan. Um, you know, this one's not Aaliyah, and the artwork is way better than the Aaliyah. Why? Talk about a be. difference, huh? Um, it's it's different. totally, totally different. Uh, you know, there's tiling. I keep it's reading that it's very puzzly. I've read nothing negative about it yet. I haven't watched any videos because I tend to tune out, but I just get excited when it's felled. So um, yeah, you're, you're gnomes in this game. How can you not like that? And you get to play as a gnome. Gnomes are adorable. So super. So first choice is Bonfire from a, uh, from a Stefan Feld. Stefan Feld. Chris, what do you think? Bonfire. I heard Puzzly and Tile Lane and based on that, I want to hear more, but so far, good? Ah. All right. I'm going to say a lukewarm good. Is that is that about right? I, yeah, I need a little more to sell me, uh, but that that's a great start. It's a good opener. Evan says uh, he loves it for the designer. Patrick says – Patrick Yes, says, Patrick. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that was pretty easy, Patrick. 
Oh, that's nice. Does it does it come with kindling or do you have to bring it? He says failed plus gnome and she is in. So okay. Uh, so that's a, off to a good start. Number one for Verla. Let's see what we got on your next one, Verla. Uh, do I have there. is it right? I think you have it there. Uh yeah. I don't even begin to know how to pronounce that. Praga kaput. Rigney, who knows, but it is about building the city of Prague, and I studied there in grad school for a summer, and so that, I don't even know much more about the game than that, but that's what's got me hooked, so that's probably not going to sell you, but that's in my top games. Kevin gets the comment of the night, Stefan Feld's best game involving gnomes. Yes. Clearly the best Love it, Kevin. So, so Praga Kaput Regni, what do you think, Chris? You heard the elevator pitch. Johnny Pack says it's going to be awesome, and he has great taste in games, and I tend to love games that he plays. So She throws a three-pointer with two seconds. This is going based off of Johnny Pack's high, high (laughs) recommendations that he keeps throwing out there over and over in all the Facebook groups. What do you do in the game? How how do you build Prime? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I can't wait to find out, though. We know it's really heavy. Dean, yeah, Dean, that's because you had this in your list on your show. Of course, he, that, that's kind of, that's home Thanks, cooking, Dean. Dean. <laughs> but he does. Uh, wow. Uh, Beth Beth likes your choices here. Yeah, pretty heavy game. Chris, that's all we got for you. We know it's heavy, and we know it's about the building the city of Prague. I mean, pretty heavy building a, a city in Europe. I'm going to lean towards no without, like, something more to pull me in. Does this and, help out a little picture of it? I do like that picture quite a bit. Yes. I have no idea what it means, but you could try to build Charles Bridge and the university and all of the cathedrals. Uh, okay. It's beautiful. That's throwing me off. She says there's gnomes and <laughs> I think I have like 48 plays of Castle of Burgundy. I don't remember ever seeing gnomes, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's why you always lose, there. BJ. Oh, oh bite your left with the gnome oh. power. <laughs> yep. Um, the gnome power. Big. Big Opera House in Prague. I, I've never yes. been. My wife's been mm-hmm. to Prague. I don't know. Is that right? Yep. That sounds right. We sold. Uh, so look, Chris, this is all Patrick needed. Tiling and historical together. So there I do like tiling. Go read the designer diary on this on BGG. It's really, really interesting. And the designer like was born in Prague. And yeah. No, I, I, I didn't. Know. So yeah, I, I, it's in my queue of designer diaries to read. Nice. Kaput Regni would be the king is dead. He's kaput. He's just, he's got, <laughs> not sure if that's right. So, uh, Dean says, check out the Slicker Drips video for Praga if you want to get a chance. All right. So, last one, a game I've actually played. Oh. So, yeah. So, Pearl, I want to hear oh. what you have to say on it. I love the West Kingdom and this is, games. This is Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Um, when they started talking about that online and said, you know, the West Kingdom universe here and bag building, I got really, really excited. And there's a rondelle and set collection and that fabulous art by the Miko. Look at that board. That just looks amazing. I cannot wait to get my hands on it and just figure out what's going on. Look at that modular board there, Chris. All right. So what do you think? Has she sold you? Are you are you a, a Shim Phillips West Kingdom North Sea fan? I don't think I have any experience with that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I like the cover that I saw. I like the font. I like what I'm seeing there. It sounded like a lot of mechanics all in one. So I'm expecting something pretty heavy. Um, but back building is fun. I it it is visually appealing there. It's like drawing my eye in there. So I'm I don't know if it's gonna be like too much, but right now I'm I'm gonna give it a, I'm interested. Nice. 
<laughs> Beth says she's voting because of the word by counts, uh, but she hasn't played enough West Kingdom games to say if she'll love it. Um, horizontal thumb up. I played it. I played it with Alex and uh, with Joe from uh, Stonemaier Games. Let me see. I, I enjoyed it, but I played it on Tabletopia, and I played it on a. Uh, I played it on a little laptop, so the screen was about oh, this big. Don't even count that. Don't didn't even bring count a, that. Wait, I didn't bring a mouse. And if you've ever tried to play yeah. Tabletopia without a mouse using the, the trackpad, mm-hmm. why would you do that, that to yourself? Why? I was on vacation in Gulf Shores, and I get That's this text from Alex saying, "Hey, we're jumping why? on." So, I, you know, I can only do the beach so much. You know, after a while, I got to come back into place to play a uh, play a solo game or something. So, yeah, Alex texted me. I jumped on and played it. I, I liked what I, I liked what I played. You know what it's got, Chris, which is kind of cool. It's got. She said the rondelle, but it's a weird rondelle where there's an inside loop and an outside loop. And you have to keep diving on the inside or diving back to the outside or diving the inside. I've never seen that before, or at least I don't remember that. It was really interesting. It's a typical Shim Phillips design where there's lots of resource conversion and, and getting that engine going is really how you're going to win the game. Now, I'm terrible at those kind of games, but but I do like them. I love the art from the Micho. I, I think he's got a distinctive art, although the new Raiders of Scythia, man, I love that art. And as opposed to Raiders of the North Sea, if you've, seen the, if you've seen the new version of it, it's a little upgraded version. The mechanics are a little bigger. And I just, God, I love that new art. So we got some comments here. Uh, Paladins I've played. Haven't tried Architects. Architects um, is my favorite so far. I wasn't crazy about Paladins because it was very solitaire and a little heavier. But I'm really hoping that Viscounts is the best of the three. There's there's more player interaction in Viscounts than there is uh, in Paladins. Yeah, yeah in Paladins. So, nice. all right. So Chris, you gave it a. You gave it a, a tentative. Yeah, I mean, look at that on look at that on the table. Like that is, I would go over and be like, "What is this game?" I would pick it out just because the table presence is really just really catching. I playing that on Tabletopia. I think I've had a nightmare about that. Like and that looks like very fiddly and trying to do that digitally with a trap trackpad. No, thank uh, you. No, look, I agree with you there. That is a tough one. All right. Uh, Verla, hang on here. I'm going to do uh, my three and we can get your comments on that and Chris's comments. So my three, uh, the first one, and I pick, I literally picked this because of the cover and because it was from Portugal. Some of my ancestors grew up in Portugal. I'm a, I'm, I'm a De Silva by ancestry. And I saw Caritos. Caritosh is a game that I can give you in one simple pitch. It's Monsters, Inc. in Portugal. You flip the script, you're the monsters, and you're scaring the villagers away. Look, that's it. That's all, that's all I had to know, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> Berla, Monsters, Inc.? I'm intrigued. This is the first time I've seen the cover for this or even heard of it, so I'm totally interested. Yeah, I wish I had some more pictures. I do have more pictures. If you go to the blog post uh, about our top eight SNRV, you'll see more pictures from Caritosh, Caritosh, and uh, you'll. I guess Americans would say Caritosh, but uh, they pronounce it Caritosh. Uh, but it's it's got this cool looking board, and there's a there's a really cool mechanic that I like. When you're playing cards, you're going to play a card to take an action, right? If you and they're all different set type cards. If you play the card you want, you get that action. The next time you come and play a card, if that card symbol matches a previous card that you played that it's laying on it, it makes the action stronger. So now i got to decide, am I going to play the action I really want, which is the wrong symbol, or, or am I going to play a lesser action but make it stronger? 
And my opponents know that. Are they going to starve me of those cards? So, look, there's not a lot on it. There's a three-minute video from the uh, from the the publisher Mebo Games. I've got a copy coming in, so I'm really excited about playing it. So we'll see that. Um, Let us know how it is. Does this no Dean, Dean and I are thinking about doing a video, but this is not the 2020 Disney release. It's just it just looks it. so. All right, so that's Karitush. Karitush. The next one is a durian. Chris, I'm going to say it. It's an oink game about uh, it's it's oink games using Hanabi mechanic with a gorilla staring at you. Why aren't you filling the fruit orders fast enough? I mean, do I need to say more? If you know anything about Oink Games, you know it's a little tiny box, but it gives you that big experience. I wish I had a picture of this. It's all this colorful fruit. You and all your fellow players are running a fruit stand, and this gorilla is just staring at you. And every time you get the orders wrong, you know, he yells at you. Here's the problem. You You can see Verla's cards. You can see Chris's cards. You can see BJ's cards, but you can't see your own. Everyone else can see you. So do you keep adding fruit orders thinking that, well, everybody's putting in more more of the pomegranates. I must have three pomegranates here, right? Right? I have pomegranates, right? And then, of course, the gorilla yells at you. So that's that's during. I love Oink Games. I don't like everyone they produce, but I just love what they do. So, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, no, uh, that sounds great to me. Uh, Oint games, you know, they're not going to take up a lot of space, and that counts for a lot. No. Uh, as I've tried to like trim my collection over the past however many months, um, that that gorilla is giving me nightmares already about <laughs> its stare of disapproving, right? Uh, and just uh, like social engineering and trying to figure out what's going on. That sounds like fun. That sounds like a game I'd fun. You know what's the problem with these games, Verla? The button shy and oink games. You can't get rid of them. If you have a backpack or a or a drawer, you just put them in there. They don't take right. any space. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think, Burla Durian? Thumbs up for me. Ah, okay. Ooh, I think I'm doing okay at this one. And the last one. It's actually an expansion, so I kind of cheated. But I love era medieval age. Uh, it's uh, it's a rolling right, and it's super overproduced you didn't need any of this stuff matt leacock originally designed it with no pieces it was just a rolling right but somebody at uh, eggerspiel said oh no we got to make this into plastic and goodness and all this board i hate the board that ugly yellow board is terrible they could have done green at least it would like landscape i don't know why we're in the desert when we're building out this medieval kingdom but what it needs is expansions as crazy as that sound was all the stuff you get in the box it just needs more and more buildings and more and more dice. I didn't get the original expansion because the price of the game was are expensive enough, but but it was just kind of a little tiny box expansion. This is the first real expansion for it. Um, they came up with a very clever name. Anybody can take a guess? Medieval Age, era Medieval Age expansion. Yeah, so wow. I guess they I guess they paid a marketing they made a marketing department a million dollars to come up with era middle age expansion. I don't know if that's the working title, so I'm I'm kind of jawing them a little bit. I don't know, but that's what the PGG entry says. So that that's my elevator pitch. If you like era, more era. Good. What do you think? <laughs> that's it. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go. Okay. So I actually, I've only, I played era, but I've only played it once uh, at a con. Uh, and I thought it was fine. I had a problem with the components. Uh, it actually shocked me that the board was that illegible given that there was one. 
what I see here is some sweet looking renders. Immediately, I'm like, oh, this looks like fun. I want to play with it. But then I'm like, those are some renders, and it's not going to be as good as I want. And do I really want? I don't know. It's just a whole bunch of plastic. It's going to take up a whole bunch of space. And it's rivers. It's bridges. It's it roads. Looks, it looks so adorable. It hurts. I want to make little things, but then I'm going to be sad. That's my prediction. Hey. Chris Strain checking in. So, uh, Chris, we hey, want to hear your thoughts. Oh, by the way, Chris Strain's got a big Kickstarter coming out soon. If you like Asking for Troubles, yes, make sure you take a look. Wait. A big expansion for Asking for Troubles. We've only been waiting for like 27 years for this expansion to come out, and Chris is finally getting it. So good luck to Chris on that. So I got two and one. I think we all got kind of two and a lukewarm or two and a, and a no. So I, I think we all did pretty well. It's Berlin's. I keep waiting to hear. I've heard rumors. Oh, it's verbal in the in the troubles the trouble expansion. expansion. Ooh, that would be fun. That would be fun. Sure would. All right, so let me knock these down. That's the essence. Out of all these games, while I'm getting the pictures ready, Chris, what's the one that stands out to you? What's the one if you were going to Essen, out of all these games we mentioned, which is the one that you would run to? Depends on the hour of. I mean, if it's like I'm just imagining late night at Essen and I'm playing. And that gorilla staring me down, like that sounds just like this late night experience. I feel like that's going to be the one I take away from it as like the iconic experience that I had. I don't know if it'll be the favorite game, but like it'll be the moment. I, I would definitely get Durian. That, I, I keep going back to that one and going, okay, that one's, but it's pretty easy. It's 15 bucks. You run, you get the little box and you throw it in your backpack. So, uh, Burla, out of all the nine, what's the one that you'd run to? Paris. Uh, the only re- reason I didn't talk about that one is because Steve already had it on the list. You know, you remember Dr. Finn was not that he, I don't, I don't, I want to say he didn't like it. Remember when we had him on the show? So too, but did he also play it on Tabletopia or something? I think so. I think, and I always give every game, Chris, you agree with me? I always give every game a, a little bit of a pass if you play it only yeah. on electronics. Yeah. yeah. You have to. Yeah. Okay. Definitely have to. BJ from Morgan Gumball, I've got my, my guest here, Chris Glane. And we've been talking spicy games. Let's talk about some sorcery. Chris is the designer of Studies in Sorcery. Well, I say designer. A little more than that, Chris. And we're going to dive into that. And this is a game coming out on Weird Draft Games. I want you to tell me about it. Where did this idea come from, Studies in Sorcery? Oh, it, it came from my brain, of all places. Um, it came from, uh, first, a love of a mechanic uh, called a Winston draft, which is a way of drafting cards with two players, which I did not invent. I can make no claim of. Uh, Richard Garfield, I believe, is the inventor of it. Uh, I didn't know that. But I, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, that's how I encountered it, is a way to draft magic with two players. So, like, you know, just have a lunch and a draft, a card draft, it's great. Um, so I always wanted to design something around that. And for some reason, my brain went to, well, you've got these piles of cards that you're digging through, trying to find the good stuff. What theme is a good match for that? And my brain is weird as it is, went to grave digging. So in this game, you're students of the Academy of the Dark Arts and you're trying to, um, achieve greatness or, or just graduate uh, in the forbidden subjects of alchemy, reanimation, and sorcery. Uh, and in order to complete your projects, you're going to need to do that by digging up the materials to complete said projects from the local cemetery. That's the pitch. Uh, it's my game. Steve, Steve said it was a dark theme that you actually presented lightly. You know, Steve's, yep. Steve's the name father, and he comes up with these little quick things, dark and light being that juxtaposition. Was that a conscious effort from you to 
to have, let's face it, kind of a morbid theme, digging up old bones and brains and things, but still presenting it in light, humorous fashion? And if so, how'd you do it? I mean, absolutely. From the start, it was like leaning into uh, taboo, but funny um, to make it light and cute. So like if you're going to be, you know, it's it's not necromancy, it's reanimation. It's always spun in this kind of positive way uh, where it's like, yeah, we're going to make interesting creatures with this. And it's trying to ride that line of like, this is forbidden. We shouldn't be doing this, but also this is kind of hilarious and weird. Um, so I, it was very important to me that this landed on the light side. And this is not grim dark. This is, uh, even though the theme is, is dark, it's playful. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're sitting here in October, uh, you know, coming up on Halloween and you have kids dressing up as things that, you know, we normally wouldn't, deem as appropriate but it's like playing with this this dark line and this forbiddenness that's that's fun and celebrated uh and that's what i wanted to do here so i wanted to communicate communicate that through the mechanics i wanted to communicate that through the the graphic design and the illustration um supposed to be light well D- dean and the and the crew from meeple town dean and john they actually did a preview for it if i remember right it says it's a cool game chris my favorite part is push your luck in the grave digging that's a good segue chris tell us about how the game is played and i'll go back to that picture showing all showing all the card layout for you yeah that'd be super helpful uh so the core part of the game is you have these project cards so those are the kind of little open book cards you see in the middle those are projects you're trying to complete uh as part of your education at this this academy of the dark arts um and they all require materials which you'll see on the left page there so they might need bones or worms or mushrooms or they might be very particular it's like this doesn't need any bone this needs specifically a skull um so how are you going to get those things? You're going to dig in these grave piles. So those are the cards you see at the bottom that got the little gravestone on them. Um, and there's going to be three of those piles, and they're going to have some number of cards of them, one, one or more. Uh, and on your turn, if you're digging, you're going to grab the leftmost pile. You're going, to, you're going to look at it and look at all the cards in it and decide if you want to take everything there or if you want to keep going and look at the next pile. So if you take everything there, you get however many cards it is. Um, if you keep going, you put that that pile back face down and you add another face down card to it. So it has all the cards you saw plus one more card, which inevitably is going to make piles that are less attractive eventually get attractive because you take all the cards in the pile. Um, and it also adds an air of mystery of like, you know, what is that last card that got added to it? Um, so you'll keep going until you choose a pile um, or you go off the end and you get a random card off the top of the deck. Um, and then it's going to pass the next player and they're dealing with however, whatever changes that uh, resulted from your picks. So it might be that pile that had all the cards, you know, plus one more, or you maybe you took it and it's reset to one card. So there's this like natural drama in the push the luck, uh, a push your luck of, do I want to go to the next pile that's got more cards or should I take, you know, the, the this right here, that's kind of what I want. It, the moments where in this game you, you put the, you're like, I'm going to keep going and you pull the next one and you regret everything. That <laughs> so many times that game, it just has a natural, like comedic moment to it every time it happens. And it happens a lot in the game. You are going to regret your decisions or you're going to feel like a genius. It's going to be one of the two usually. All right, so you're digging for those uh, those bones and digging for those things, and there's a reason you do that, and that's yep. these different studies. It, the way I picture it is you're bumbling, fumbling students trying to get their master's degree, 
And, you know, sometimes you're cramming by, by putting more uh, ingredients than you really should be doing. But, but it's all about these cards. And I love the way that the graphic design kind of makes them look. Tell us about these cards. Yeah, so this is a project card. Uh, so it's got a dollar value in the left, the lower left-hand corner. That's how much it is to buy from the market. So the materials that you acquire are not just used for projects. You can then resell them to get new projects. So you're going to be trying to balance, like, how much money am I getting versus am I getting the right materials? But once you've gotten your work area, it's ready to go. The left side is what you need to complete it, and the right side is what you're going to get when you do complete it. So in this case, you're going to need a vial that you can just buy from the store and two mushrooms. Those are going to need to dig up. On the right side, you see uh, in the bottom right-hand corner, it's got the number of credits it's worth. So this is worth a, a three-credit project. Uh, and it's got an effect that you're going to draw four cards when you complete it. So this is an alchemy project. All the alchemy projects have a one-time effect. You finish them, you drink the potion, you get the effect, you're done. Um, and so in this case, you're going to get an influx of cards. This is more of a tempo card, uh, where other ones might be more building up your engine. Um, and so that's the main flow of a project. But each of the schools, so this is the school of alchemy, has its own flavor. The alchemy projects want you to finish them at the appropriate pace. If you rush them, you're going to get these demerit tokens that make them worth uh, less. Uh, contrasted with this, this is a sorcery project. Sorcery projects tend to care about the phase of the moon. So one of my favorite things about this game is that the turn tracker is actually uh, walks you through. It, it, it's a month, and it walks you through the phases of the moon. So you go from like a half moon to a full moon, and there you go, right there. And that's your turn tracker. And some of your completed projects care about what turn you're in. Um, and then you can start layering these effects. You're like, ah, yes, well, the new moon is coming up, and I'm pretty good at the new moon because I've completed these projects. So sorcery allows you to layer together all these effects. And the third main school there, you can kind of see a peak of that on the image above, is reanimation. Um, there's the uh, crab favorite, the unstoppable bone sphere, which is literally just roll a whole bunch of bones together and call it a project. Uh, but there's all sorts of things. You can make a worm golem. You can make a, 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 the fungal animates, another favorite made, made out of mushrooms. So that's more of like the expression of yourself artistry. I'm going to make this sculpture out of these things and also turn it into my best friend. Um, so those are the three main schools. They all have these different flavor, but you layer them together. You know, in the end, you're trying to get points, your credits. Uh, but the, if you ignore the abilities you're getting along the way, you're, you're not going to get to those high echelons. But Chris, you you actually did the, the art and graphic design in this one. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know if you've seen, we've got Beth Sobel in there. So here's your chance to impress Beth with, with some of the handiwork that you've done. No, it, it, I'm all joking aside. I thought it was crisp and clean and it, it still carried the dark theme while being intentionally funny, right? Is that what you were yeah. going for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, Beth's amazing. So, uh, yeah, that's hard to be compared to her in any way. Um, but yeah, I wanted to bring that quirkiness. This, yeah, this is a great, a great shot for that. You know, this kind of uh, imperfect style, but bringing back this like acad academic feel. You know, with the sepia tones, the books, and these like these little uh, sketches and diagrams. Um, you know, all of that just communicating like, hey, we're doing something kind of wrong here, but it's, you know, it's playful. I want to contribute that in every part. Come on, this looks like any one of those Marvel superhero movies where they're going into this, this <laughs> dusty stack of books and they're pulling out all these arcane charts. And of course, they recognize all the language and they, they can read all these languages, right? They can they, they figure out the charts and really it's just gibberish in there. But, but what, what's interesting is you know that they're messing with stuff they're not supposed to be touching, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I love the layered look, though, Verlo. Take a look. Look at how the pages are. They're almost That's really neat. They almost have an energy to them, like like we're looking into different pieces of the books piled on. Maybe somebody is uh, kind of cramming at the end to try to get their credits as fast as they can. Yeah, that's the uh, the completed side. So when you flip it over, that's what you get. And there's a couple of things going on there. One, it's got it, it looks like you just madly been working on a project and you're left with these papers all over your desk. Uh, the other is that technically nothing there on the right side is critical information for you, you know, once you've completed a project. So you can tuck the cards on top of each other and have like a nice tight plane surface. So you can kind of decide okay. where you want to see the art and where, where you want to be space efficient. I like that. I, uh, you know, we should really have Beth host the show because she has so much better questions than I do. Is the Latin fun stuff when you, when you translate it? Did, did, did uh, you do anything like that, or did you just kind of use the use the ipsum lopsum, you know, jetsum thing? Yeah. That is the standard lorem ipsum text, but I have the ability, uh, one of those cards actually shows it, to to have whatever text I want there. And something I've been having a lot of fun with, you know, because our, our Kickstarter is up right now. Uh, and I'm like, as the designer, what do I even, do, what do I do with my hands, right? Um, so what I've been having fun doing is taking the cards and taking them to places that seem thematic for that card and taking a picture of them and then writing like a little card diary article. Oh, that's, that's you that's been doing that. Okay, yeah. yeah. I've been yeah. posting those. Yeah, no, I've been having so much fun with that. And those are great candidates to put in the background of those cards of just like, you know, here's what a student would stay upon seeing this. Or here's tips about how to make your worm golem, you know, keep it moist or something. I don't know. Uh, but I, that's just been a blast to like put together these little thematic uh, paragraphs to go with each card. Whoop, sorry about that. So as you can see, the, the Verla, the game is pretty photogenic, man. Yeah, what do you think? oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. I like the push your luck aspect of it. Very much. It's it's got engine building, but it's got the engine building that I like. Where it's not an engine building for the whole game, Chris. Although some of the cards do have effects that are going to last. It's really that engine building where you hurry up and build an engine and run it. Hurry up and build an engine and run it. So you, you're constantly spinning that motor. And I like those games, especially because you know, hey, I I have a short attention span, so it's hard for me to plan that long. But I can I can spin out little tiny engines as we play. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't want to be overwhelmed with how many things that are like continued to ongo in your engine. You want some things that are bursty and some things that, you know, that, that last. And it's good to have a good balance of that. You're, you're hitting the mark for Chris. Uh, you've got you've got a lot of uh, cool features in here with the artwork. Uh, so tell us about the project. The project funded right away. It's out on Kickstarter right away. It, it you know. Thank God for Carl. I, lo I love the fact that she didn't even have to worry about it. Funded within the first 24-ish hours. In fact, really the first couple of hours, if I remember right. I think three hours, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, that's, that's always awesome when it does that. So, but what's planned for the rest? You still got some time left on the project. Are there any other plans as the Kickstarter just keeps growing? Yeah, there's a couple of stretch goals. Uh, I have to like keep up on what's what's open now and what's what's coming. You know, obviously, first you got like some component related things. Um, there's there's a mini expansion that's one of the um, stretch goals, which I'm pretty excited about. It's just like a little add on where each player starts with a staff. Uh, and that staff gives you a once per month ability. So if you remember from the the turn track, like mm -hmm. the months actually matter. Um, so that's going to be like a four times per game thing that you get to do. And they just add like a little bit of spice, a little bit of asymmetry that's really nice, um, gives everyone a little bit of power. It's it's a lovely addition. I would love to see that one happen because that's, that one has been very popular with my partner. She will she always wants to play with the stabs. Um, 
game works fine without it uh but it is a nice addition i'd love to see that one happen there's also things like what we do with that little skull and the first player marker like there's a lot of a lot of play in there that we still have to see over the course of the kickstarter yeah so th- this is one that i actually did for crowd surfing on the dice tower because hey when i'm doing the crowd surfing lineup i'm looking for uh games that won't break your budget and throw in a little something extra 19 bucks chris seriously are, yeah. are you might as well pay us to buy this game. I mean, really, that crew, this is it's, an easy choice for you. 19 bucks. It's a crazy amount of value for $19, honestly. Uh, I'm the designer. I don't plan out the you know production or any of that. When I said at $19, I'm like, that's great. I hope that gets this into a lot of people's hands because you will get a lot of replay value out of $19. I, you know, again, I, as the designer, I don't know what to do in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign. I've been streaming my solo games of it uh, just, you know, over and over and over again and i love playing this game solo i love playing it with uh, other people but like the replayability is for a 19 dollars game you, you, you should buy it hey chris so when you play it solo what's your time frame now how, how, how when you set it up it's all set up how many how, how long does it take you to play it because i've actually played it solo a couple of times uh i think if i if i shut up <laughs> I got, it would be like 20 minutes. The problem is when I, when I, I I'm, so I've been streaming these on, on YouTube. Uh, so I have a whole bunch of videos available. If you, if you do want to see how the solo plays out, you can check them out. Uh, but I'm like talking through my strategy and everything. And I'm like, well, that took a long time to play. Oh, cause I was talking the whole time. But if you just focus, it's like 20 minutes uh, and, and you're good. And there's, you know, these missions you can play to kind of set alternate targets. Um, but I'm also just fine. Just playing it and seeing what combos I can build. And yeah, it, probably 20 minutes for solo. That's shorter than me. For me, 480 minutes. But, you know, I'm a solo player. No, I'm I'm joking. It was was about 20 to 30 minutes for each of the solo plays. So if you like solo games, this is one you should be looking at. I mean, 19 bucks. Hey, Chris Strain's got a question for you, though. And he's asking for a friend. If you could go back in time a week before your Kickstarter launched, what would you do differently? (laughs) Oh, man. We see you coming, Chris. <laughs> uh, just prepare myself for 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 an ordeal. I mean, I've watched so many friends, so many friend designers launch Kickstarters and see them go through this and see them be stressed out. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I understand what this looks like. And no, just my feeling of helplessness helplessness right now is. I don't know. I I stand by the game. I think it's great. It's been lovely. I actually. Um, I would do the solo streaming thing that I've been doing. It's been lovely to hear from people in the Kickstarter comments. They were on the fence. They watched a solo playthrough and they're like, oh, it looks great. And they bought it. And I'm like, thank you. Cause I didn't know if I was doing that for no reason. It's really great to get that positive. I've, I've never done a Kickstarter, but I would tell you exactly what you're talking about. Community involvement, getting people involved, getting people invested in the people behind the game. Look, there, there's plenty of games out there. They got to have a reason to take a look at a project. And one of the reasons I always take a look you know, one of the things I mentioned here is is the art. If it's Ian O'Toole or Beth Sobel, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean I back it, but I'm gonna take a look at it, right? Uh, same thing with the gameplay. If it's a certain publisher, I'm gonna take a look at it. But if it's somebody I know, that's why the weird giraffe games and the flat out games are so attractive to me because I've met those people and I like those people, and you want to support the company. It's a bonus that the game is even is 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 as good as as advertised. Yeah. Now, if again, at least it gets you to look at the project. You may not back everything. But you're still going to take a look at it. Berla, what about you? Yeah, I mean, when I started getting into board games and found out the universe existed two and a half, three years ago, um, I learned about Kickstarter right away, and I swore it off. I was like, okay, that's clearly a black hole. I need to stay away from it. And then when I went to Shucks in 2018, I met uh, Daniel Kazmaier and playtested Chai. 
and just fell in love with the game, but also just really appreciated who he was as a person and wanted to support his and Connie's dream. And then I ended up going and helping demo Chai at Essen last year. So definitely, you know, the people behind the games um, makes a difference in where my Kickstarter dollars go. Any questions for Chris about the game itself, Verla, as we're looking through some of these pictures on the, on the Kickstarter? Man. Oh, Beth says, so many of the games she's backed are because she knows the folks and she's gotten really lucky. They are great. That's exactly right. It's, yeah, the, it's sure. the community building. Really? I don't have any questions. I'm just excited to give it a play. I really like uh, just what you've described with how the mechanics and the theme really work together. That seems really cool. And, you know, how you're working towards your degree and what you said about, um, you know, the different, uh, what, phases of the moon, the different semesters are, you know, you're working on different goals that might be impacted from what you did earlier. So all of it sounds very intriguing, and I'm really excited to learn about it. It's push your luck. A yeah. little bit of that spin-up engine building, although there's some longer-term cards, as I said. It's got the, that what I call the abyss mechanic where you're trying to decide what cards you're going to leave for other people or should I keep going to that next one because I really want that next pile. What's in that, what's in that next pile? What's in the pile? Right, I want to right. go. So oh, it's, it's, it's really good. It's so Beth wants to know, what is your favorite aspect of this game? Cool. Well, I mean, I started with wanting to do that draft and getting that push your luck. But I think my favorite aspect is the identity of the different schools in the game. Um, how each one really feels like you're studying that subject and it's like how you overlay them and then how they interact back with that core mechanic of pushing your okay. luck. You know, how sorcery might dump more cards into the field or with reanimation, you're like digging for the exact bone you need to finish your project. And so you're like laser focused. I love that interplay. Nick, check out Rado's video, but also uh, uh, you may have missed that. Chris has actually been running the game through solo plays. He's posted them up on YouTube. I think we have, uh, yeah, Steve found uh, the link. So here's a link to Chris Glane playing it on YouTube. Check those out, Nick, and you can see exactly what it is. But Nick, 19 bucks for this. That's that's not bad. And with the possibility of getting even a little expansion content uh, thrown in, a little yeah. a little on yop. A little long up, as we say. That's the Kickstarter project. What's that? Expansion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, Because there's an expansion up on the Kickstarter, which is the Divination expansion, which adds a fourth school. So I was talking about how excited about the schools, and Divination just leans into that. Divination is all about trying to predict what's going to happen, all sorts of play with uh, the hidden information of the pile uh, and manipulating of the fates. Uh, It's got like a tea leaf reading theme. Uh, I'm excited about that, too. So... If you feel good about it, if you feel confident about it, it, it it's it's a definite fun addition. The game doesn't need it, but definitely benefits from adding. Are you a, are you a former Magic player? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Was was there any inspiration from your old Magic days in the game at all? Is there is there any homage there? Did you sneak sneak anything in there? No. I, I don't know that you think there's any uh, direct references like divination is a card in magic, but like it's more like the overall umbrella of that. Um, the, I learned about the the mechanic of uh, Winston drafting right. through magic. And I definitely took, I learned a lot of lessons as a game designer in the color theory of magic and how, you know, giving everything an identity and, you know, playing with the overlap. There's similar similarities between that and the schools. Like each one is a very particularly planned identity uh, and it's all about the interplay. 
Have you used the divination expansion in real life? Beth wants to know if you can use it for betting. <laughs> probably not, right, Chris? It, it seems like probably a poor choice. I mean, you're an adult. You can do whatever you want. I, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Oh, man. Uh, or if you can go back to the future, grab one of those uh, – Grab the sports betting book and just make a killing. So Chris says, sounds like someone's a D&D player. Some of the language you're using. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What's, uh, what's your history with D&D? Uh, I've been playing D&D since grade school. Uh, I mean, it took a bit huge break for a while, but uh, I'm still playing it. You know, been playing it on Roll20 with friends today because that's, you know, that's what you can do. Um, but, yeah, I love D&D. It's, it's part of my, like, omni-gamer thing is all the things. So I, that's my, one of my first experiences in gaming is, is you know, red box D&D back in the 80s, playing the dungeon board game with, with my friends, uh, having campaigns that we played, playing through Greyhawk, uh, a couple of other things like that, you know, way back in the day, never teaching it to my kids. We, we played board games, but we did play the D&D board games, never really teaching my kids, but they were in a scout troop and some of the scouts started playing D&D, I guess, because they saw old books from their dads. One of the coolest thrills is finding out from your son that it, he's doing the things I did on Wednesday nights. He's got a roll 20 game with his friends that are all in different colleges. I don't know. I, I don't know why that's, you know, it gives me the frisons as we say down here, goosebumps to think that, you know, the, the tradition is living on where these guys are using their brain. They're, they're, they're using their imagination to come up with uh, just making adventures, right? These long six hour adventures. I wish I still had time to do six to eight hour D and D sessions. Like we did as a kid. Yeah, they're much shorter now. <laughs> Steve, Steve says he's come back to D&D this year, and he is loving it. All right, so uh, Chris has a question for you. He's going to guess your current PC's class. He's thinking sorcerer. Oh, um, I, we're actually in the moment of transitioning from one campaign to another, uh, and neither of those happened to be correct. My previous class was a bard. Uh, okay. And I am playing in the new one. I am playing the first ever fighter I have ever played because I figure at some point I should do the thing. But we're playing okay, in just the- fighter, straight fighter, not fighter, thief, fighter, something. No, just straight I, fighter. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do a ranged fighter, just like you know, like someone who's into archery. Uh, actually, they, they they have like a crossbow. It's a it's a very spooky themed thing. Uh, we we described it as uh, what we do in the shadows is what we're leaning for for the D and D. I don't know if you saw that movie. It's like a uh, <laughs> it's a mo- what we do in the shadows. It's a mockumentary about vampires. It's hilarious, um, but that's that's the, the flavor of our D and D thing. All right, elevator pitch. We got a couple of people checking in here at the last minute. We got uh, studies and sorcery out on Kickstarter right now for what is it about a week left? I'm trying to remember now. It says nine days. Uh, nine days left. Okay. All right, so nine days left, 19 bucks. You can get the expansion content with it for $24. That's a great deal. We know Carla's uh, track record. Weird Giraffe Games is going to deliver. They're going to deliver on time, and the game's going to be better than you think when it comes in that that final box. I've I've played the the promo copy, so I can't wait to see what the the real one is. Uh, Give us that last pitch. Sell the chat crew. Why should they take a look at this project? Um, if you, uh, if you love cards as much as I do, uh, the, in the expressibility of cards, I think this will work for you. It's got that engine buildy, build yourself up, but it's not going to overstay its welcome. If you like the theme, if you like creepy and cute together, and if that sounds like your jam, you're going to be enjoying yourself as you're playing through. Uh, an important thing for me is that theme and mechanics must be 
like bonded from the beginning. And that is absolutely that is true for anything I design. Uh, and if, if, if that is your jam, uh, th- this will deliver on that. Yep. That's a good point. You're going to get that from this game. So that is, uh, studies and sorcery from weird draft games out on Kickstarter right now. Couple of questions for you. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down fighter slash diviner. Yeah, do that. It sounds fine. It sounds good. Let's do that. Sounds like a good thing. Fighter thief. I've never understood that one. How can you be stealthy if you're so brazen? <laughs> I mean, you gotta pick one or the other. I've never, I've never gone for that combo. Nice, nice. I like that. All right, let's bring in uh, Steve, and we're gonna do uh, the last part of our game. See if you can find Steve here. Steve here. Is Steve still available? Steve, where yet? I actually don't see Steve here. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I think we. He, oh nope. There he is. All right. Steve O'Rourke, the name father, checking in. Hey, Steve. Welcome back to the show. All right, so the last part that we always do, Chris, this is a board game show, so we got to play a game, right? Steve, tell us about the game tonight. Sure. We're going to do the the Envy game. We've told Chris in advance to have a game in mind, and we're going to, Verla, BJ, and I, ask some questions, 20 questions style, to try try and figure out what he's thinking of. Um, We don't know. You don't know. But it's going to be a race between the chat crew. And the three of us to try and figure things out. And Chris is going to try to run out the clock and stump us. So, um, BJ, do you want to kick it off with question numero uno? Oh, Chris, you do, uh, we got the game. You have the rules. We need to make sure we're all on the same page, Steve. No? Okay. I have a game in mind. I have a game in I mind. I have faith in Chris. And it's He's also that reason. I have I also have no faith in us. That's <laughs> so. right. All right. We're competing against the chat crew. Can the three of us beat the chat crew? I don't think so because we usually lose in this game, but we're going to try it. First question I'd always ask Chris, the traditional opening in the Envy is, is it competitive or cooperative? And I'm going to guess it's going to be competitive. I think you're a competitive board gamer. Is both an answer? Hmm. It is. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, That says the check. Yeah, (laughs) probably. Yes. Yes. Most likely. (laughs) Chris has already got a guess. He says it's a tyrant. So you can't just throw out games. It's not tyrant. All right. So it is, it's potentially, but I'm going to, Verlin, Steve, I think what he's telling us is that maybe you can play it both or is it, is it one of those where it's cooperative until it's not? Oh, I love possible. Possible. All right. So Verlin, what you got? What question do you have for him? Does it play up to five or six players? Hmm, so it's a big, big, play, bigger player count. Bigger player uh, count, or, or four or less. I believe it plays to f- uh, five, but not six. Okay, five, but not six. Okay, Steve, it's come out in the last five years. Uh, it's older than that. Older than that. Okay. Um, Is there a trigger mechanic? No. There's okay. no trader mechanic. Okay, so I was thinking of a game in particular, Shadows of Camelot. I'm going to steer away mm-hmm. from that because that one is always cooperative until it's really not. Uh, what's that round? Yeah, I think that I think was what she was thinking. thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Dead of Winter? Beth wants to know. No, no, no. no. Okay, uh, is it is it board based or is it more card based, Chris? I, I'm going to guess board. it's got a board. Board, yeah. Board? Okay. All right, so check who we got a 
competitive slash cooperative game, board based, came out longer than five years ago, and it's going to play up to five people. So, all right, Berlo, what you got? Is it an award winning game? Mm. Oh, he's going to have to go to BGG for that one. Mm-hmm. I mm, I don't think so. I've never seen. Certainly, my copy doesn't have any awards featured on it. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. For people, Dean, Dean wants to know if it's yeah. thematic. Does do you, do you would you consider it a thematic game? Yes. Okay. okay. Let's see what we can say. All right. For people who are kind of in the hobby, the name of a designer that we recognize. Mm. Like like a Chris Glane? Yeah. You know, your your Felds, your Rosenbergs, your Glanes. Your Glanes, right. I didn't know the the designer on this, but that's only because I'm terrible at names. Okay. Okay. Beth wants to know if it was a human. If it was a human, Chris, would you be friends with it? Beth has the best questions. That's a great question. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'd be friends. I think people. I think people would pay Steve to see the Verlin Beth show. Wouldn't you? Like just <laughs> close up Gumbo Live, and we just. Beth well, it's Verlin's decision. She can do that. That's true. That's true. It's her world. We're just living in it. So, what did he say? What was your answer to it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You you, you would yeah. be friends with it. Okay. Luke wants to know: Does it have hidden movement in it? Yes. Good question, Luke. I'm liking that. It does. Is it still in print? Marshall wants to know. I feel like I have to check the uh, the calendar on I that. I was going to say Fury of Dracula. Dean beat me to oh, it. Dean's got it? You are correct. Dang it. I didn't even get close. I was thinking fantasy, and I don't know why. I just, you know, I thought Shadows of Camelot. And you know how sometimes when we're playing this game, you, you kind of get stuck into that genre? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going through all the fantasy games I could think of, and I just, mm-hmm. oh, it's Descent or something else. See, I was being I, polite. I was going to wait for BJ to finish his sentence, but then it was just enough for Dean to beat me to the punch. No. Well played, Good Dean. Job, Dean. Good job. The well played. Wins tonight. That is uh, nicely done, Dean. Fury of Dracula nailed it. So, what do you love about Fury of Dracula? I'm curious, Chris. Um, having one player who is trying to be sneaky and they are just like all about their stratagems and everyone else is discussing it in the open and trying to crack open that, uh, that dynamic is delightful. Uh, I have the second edition, the combat mechanics are way overwrought. There's a lot of problems with the game, but that core thing of like, where is Dracula? And it's got this beautiful board that looks like this map. Uh, and it's very evocative of the theme you're following behind Dracula. And maybe you're going to find like, they were making vampires or maybe it's like wolves or something. Uh, uh, it's, I like that game more than it deserves. Chat crew, if you could see Dean right now, he'd be ripping off his shirt. He's dancing around the room. He's like winner, winner, winner. So congratulations on that. So are you, are you a first strategist when you play for your Dracula? If you're Dracula, are you going right to Britain and just kind of camping there and letting the players run around? Or do you, do you have another little secret strategy to tell us? I don't think I'm ever allowed to play Dracula. My partner wants to do the sneaky thing. She's all about that. So I'm always hunting Dracula. I think I've played Dracula like once. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never played Dracula. I've never I've never done the Dracula thing. So I hear no. it's fun. <laughs> all right. So that's Fury of Dracula. Um that is well, it was Fantasy Flight, but I'm not sure. Is that is that the third edition? I think WizKids picked it up. WizKids. Yeah. It has a very storied past. It's it's hard to follow. 
Yeah, I have not played the new edition. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to real quick before we close out the show. Studies and sorcery, Kickstarter project still going on for another nine days. Quick pitch to anybody that's just joining the show. Uh, what do they need to check out? What's coming up on the Kickstarter project, Chris? Uh, what's coming up? Uh, that's a great question. I'm, I, stretch goals are happening. I can't keep even track of what's going on there. But if you want a tight card game for 19 bucks that's heavily thematic, uh, then, then this is your thing. If you're a Halloween person, if this is your month, not just because there's a, a million things on Kickstarter this month, but because of like the theme, you're excited, you're going to carve a pumpkin. Uh, you then yes, this. And that was our game, the Envy game, won by Dean over from Meeple Town. The chat crew beat us again. It's not surprising; it happens all the time. Chris, we we get beat a lot. It's game time, presented by Game Toppers LLC. Hey, Chris, make your game nights a showstopper when you play on a Game Topper. Game Topper LLC, a sponsor of the Southern Board Game Fest a fundraiser for New Hope Foundation, which unfortunately we didn't have this year. We did it online, but we'll be having it next September. So if you're down in Louisiana in September, we'd love to have you pass by. It'll be a good time. So, all right, Borgamers, that's it for another episode of Gumbo Live. I want to thank my guest, Chris Glane, for coming in. Hey, Chris, if people have questions about the Kickstarter project or about uh, studies in sorcery, how do they reach out to you? Uh, yeah, uh, I am active on Twitter uh, as Chris underscore Glane. Uh, I've only got an Instagram going, uh, I believe, under the same handle that's got all those card articles I was talking about. Um, mm. So those are ways to find me, look for that. Uh, I'm trying to put out some ridiculous content that makes me, it, I enjoy it. Maybe it's your thing or not, but I'm having fun with it. Oh, that's good. All right. Make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Gumbo, or our YouTube page. It helps us to get out the word for all of our upcoming shows, including next week, Chris. We got the Board Game Brothers coming in to talk Hoop Gods, a game I had a blast with. Played it again tonight. Uh, just love it. We've got Hamu Dennis for sure, the artist, coming in. And maybe uh, his brother Omari will be able to join us. Hopefully we'll get both of them. But if not, for sure we got Hamu. And if you've seen any of the art from Rap Gods and uh, Hoop Gods, he's a guy that we got to talk to. I got to meet him at, at Southern Board Game Fest. They're from New Orleans. I don't know if you know that, but uh, they're from right down the road. So Hamu, it's going to be a, a joy to talk to him. I am BJ from Board Game Gumbo, Chris. And until next time, thanks for listening. Gumbo Live is produced by BJ Rosa and the name father, Steve O'Rourke, with editing by Sean Jones. You can find more Board Game Gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo. Or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. Hi, this is Eric Buscemi, popping in to let you know about a continuing interview series I've been doing on the Punchboard Media website called In Focus, Perspectives, and Board Gaming. I've been interviewing people that work in all different facets of the board game industry, such as designers Nikki Valens and Daniel Salas, artists Fernandez Suarez and Beth Sobel, board game publishers Anne-Marie DeWitt and Shari Spiro, and many other people with unique industry perspectives. Check out our interviews on the Punchboard Media website, www.punchboardmedia.com, where a new one is posted every Wednesday afternoon.